Keisha Gunter, and you're listening to Roar, an energetic and enlightening weekly podcast that will help you achieve more. This weekly infusion of candid insights, indispensable lessons, inspiring stories, and success strategies for living your best life now will help you on your journey to making your dreams a reality. My experience as a Fortune 50 business and tech executive has led me to meet some pretty amazing people. On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar! Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Genter. So what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym and the acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, that thing inside of us. Some of us choose to ignore it. Others use it to live a fearless life. It is a thing that drives you. It's your confidence. It's a boldness, a fierceness that can't be denied. Today, we're going to talk about establishing and maintaining your roar in times of uncertainty. I remember a time when I had to find and maintain my roar in a period of great change. I'd built a phenomenal team of leaders who were delivering tremendous ROI to the business. And one day, out of the blue, I was told that due to a corporate restructure, The team had to be dismantled, and many of my team members were in danger of losing their job. Here I was. One day I thought I had it figured out, leading a team that was super successful, and the next day I had no idea what I was going to do. How was I going to break the news? Many of these team members left their former teams to come and work for me. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next, but I knew the first thing to do was to establish my roar in the midst of this chaotic situation. I needed an action plan and wise counsel, so I called Trudy. So let me introduce you to my first guest today, Trudy Bourgeois. In the 60s, she integrated her Catholic school system in Alabama. In the 70s, she was selected as one of America's brightest future leaders. In the 80s, she became the first in a family of 10 to graduate from college. And in the 90s, She broke the glass ceiling in the consumer goods industry by becoming the first African-American woman to rise to the level of VP. In the 2000s, she founded the Center for Workforce Excellence, a highly respected and vital organizational cultural change, training, consulting, and coaching company. And now she's one of America's most respected and listened to workforce performance and leadership strategists, speakers, consultants, and coaches. She is one of the most powerful women in corporate America. She's the woman that most Fortune 500 companies trust their top executives and next generation leaders with as a leadership coach and trainer. I can't begin to tell you the impact she's had on my life and my career. I am so blessed and fortunate that she is my coach, my mentor, and my friend. She has helped me crystallize my brand and value proposition as a business and tech executive. So let's hear her in her own voice. Welcome to the show, Trudy. Lakeisha, it's just such a pleasure to be here with you. Congratulations on launching this inaugural 
podcast. I just love the acronym of ROAR and happy to join you and have a great conversation today. It's going to be awesome. So how are you doing? I know you're in Dallas and um, how's your family? Everybody's doing pretty good. Thank you. Yes. Like everybody else around the globe, we're all learning a new normal or at least co-creating a new normal. Nothing is it was the week before or the month before, right? But we're all blessed to have our health and, uh, and that means more than anything. Absolutely. Well, I am thrilled to have you as my first guest on the Roar podcast. So let's just jump right in. So today, guys, we're going to talk to Trudy about how to move from fear to focus. How do you find your roar in the midst of uncertainty? And she has walked through this firsthand with me several times over my career. So let's just launch right in. So Trudy, let's talk about how one can move from fear to focus in the midst of tremendous uncertainty and unprecedented change, especially in our current environment. Well, you know, Lakeisha, I just want to start by saying that it is perfectly normal for all of us to have a level of fear in the midst of this chaos. Fear can work to your good if you know how to lean into it Mm. and get beyond the emotion of it into a space where you can really accept that you are in charge of you. And the way that you think about what's happening now is going to mandate whether or not you remain in fear or you're able to move to a place where you're in action. And that's what we talk about and mean when we say moving from fear to focus. So much of what happens with fear is that we get paralyzed. Um, We think that it's doomsday and we think that we're not going to make it. And we have all got to tell ourselves this story. And the story is not only will we make it, we will not just survive, but we can thrive. And as you described in your opening remarks about my life, I didn't call it the roar. I'm so happy that you've now coined that term. But I think we all have been going through chaotic changes throughout our life. This is not the first nor the last. So let's make up our mind that we're going to win. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, so the A and roar is really all about action, just as you said, right? And what I hear you say is we have to take action, right? We have to take action to move past the fear and really focus on what's important to us. You know, speaking of that, what actions should we be taking to expand our value, our impact and our significance during this time, both personally and professionally? How do we need to show up given this changing landscape? Well, I think every organization is looking for thought leaders, I think that every organization is looking for leaders who know how to pivot. That word agility has been tossed around for a number of years without really any anchor of definition, but we're living that. Mm -hmm. We all have to show up in a mindset um, that Carol Dwalk out of Stanford refers to as the growth mindset. We have to be open to learning. That is just, I can't emphasize that more. If we allow the fear to paralyze us, we stay in that fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. Like we can't even start to dream that we could possibly do anything differently. So we've got to show with the right mindset. And that is, I can learn. I may not know how to navigate in this 
new normal, so to speak, but I can learn how to navigate. And I think at the end of the day, Lakeisha, what happened with your situation as you opened in your comments about, you know, you just got hit out of left field, right? Absolutely. As humans, we can't control what is thrown at us in life. We can just control how we respond to what happens in life. And so we need to be showing up as thought leaders, as people who can help to motivate and keep the team focused on the right action steps, focused on making sure that people know that you care about them. Because in the midst of all of this, there's one commonality. We are all suffering from one condition, and that condition is the human condition. And as long as we all as leaders remember that we have to take care of our people first, then we will be positioned to learn, then we'll be positioned to grow, then we'll be positioned to thrive. I love that. I love that. I mean, as leaders, you're right. The most important thing we can do is to focus on ourselves and getting ourselves healthy from a mindset and then our teams, right? And really helping them through this challenging time that we're facing right now. And I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. You talk about several key leadership attributes that we as leaders need to bring to the table at this point to make sure we can navigate this change. You know, talk to me a little bit about emotional intelligence and how you see that showing up, especially in a time like this. You know, emotional intelligence been around for a number of years. I still don't think that it has been optimized in corporate America. And what I mean by that is, you know, so often what we focus on is our results. And that is absolutely the right thing to do. Yet how we get those results is what's linked to emotional intelligence. And that really stirs in my heart the need to talk about resiliency because emotional intelligence is an anchor. It's a lever that you can pull that goes back to that mindset, right? Back to believing in possibility thinking. Emotional intelligence is the thing that separates the people from the winners and the losers. Honestly, Mm -hmm. you go up the ladder in corporate America. It's really not about your intellectual capabilities that are going to make or break you. It really is about the way you think. It's about the way you feel. And it's about the way you make other people feel. So at this time, it's so important for us to connect with people. And I know working in a virtual environment, people will say, gosh, that's so hard. No, it really isn't. It is about us slowing down and recognizing that in order for us to foster environments where people can have a positive outlook, we have to pull the emotional intelligence lever. We have to go to connect at the heart level, not just at the intellectual level. And that means just like we have fear, allowing other people to emote and share their fear so that you as a leader can then walk them through how to lean in and get beyond that fear into that place of focus that we're talking about. 
Love that. Love that. Right. You know, that emotional intelligence, as you've said before, uh, and you share with me, it is a competitive differentiator, especially in these times. Right. Because anyone that as a leader that you can help your team navigate the change. Right. And feel the fear, feel those emotions that come up during this time, but help them walk through it. Right. Very calmly and really um, in a very natural way. It's not unnatural for people to feel anxiety right now, right? We've all felt a little bit as it relates to our health and and our families, but it's really, how do you leverage that emotion? How do you manage that? You know, I've I've heard it often said, and and you've said this to me before, Lakeisha, emotions are data, right? It's data Mm -hmm. that you can actually use and understand to actually help make the situations better. And I think you've also mentioned to me that Sometimes we can let our, the, the emotions outweigh our intelligence and we definitely don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> we really just, again, leverage those emotions as data. Now, speaking of that, right. You know, one of the things that we've talked about quite often in the past is that, you know, you've told my teams, you've come in and talked to a lot of the senior leaders across the company over the last eight, 10 years about how to navigate, you know, a changing corporate landscape, right? You tell us that we need to be able to operate in a VUCA marketplace, Talk a little bit more about what that means, because I think we're probably experiencing that right now. And any thoughts that you have in that space? You know, Lakeisha, the fourth industrial revolution has fundamentally changed the way we work, we live, we play. And this notion of VUCA, a market where it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's changing, and it's ambiguous, I think that that is a market that's here to stay because of the fourth industrial revolution. And so a lot of times what we often find ourselves doing is putting our head down and doing the work rather than leading the work, thinking about the work, anticipating what's coming down the pike. This is also a separator for how leaders should be showing up now, right? We should spend time on a weekly basis. And you and I have, you know, bantered about the benefit of this really in reflection and leaders don't think, we, we get so busy sometimes just doing that we don't pull over to reflect and to strategize. I think that this is going to be a significant new capability, a must-have capability. And it goes really right back to where you started about finding your roar. Because as things continue to change, again, you can look at those changes and you can be fearful about them. Or you can use that fear as motivation to build new capabilities, to build new relationships, to really acquire a whole new level of engagement. And I just, uh, I think that we need to openly talk about the fact that whatever we thought was normal is never mm. to be anymore, not just with this pandemic. God love us. This is just a, a, you know, a tragic situation. But, you know, when the pandemic is over, we're going to have to co-create a new way of working. The days of, of I'm going to go into the office and I'm going to spend eight, uh, 10 hours there and then I'm going to go home. Those days are gone. And so we have to be open enough to realize that we can draw on our life's experiences to give us the confidence that we need in order to to thrive in this this uncertain marketplace. 
Wow, I love that. Spot on. I mean, you hit one of the, um, we, you know, reflection, right? You talked about being a leader that anticipates that can really take the time to assess the environment, take the time to understand what's happening. And you, you've often taught us in our leadership sessions about the importance of white space. I mean, creating that white space at the beginning or the end of your day and really reflecting on what's going on because that really kind of helps you stay ahead of the game mm-hmm. and really gives you the opportunity to not only anticipate, but plan, as you say, put a plan of action in terms of how one might respond to this new normal. You're right. Things are going to be very different moving forward and how we as leaders show up and really adjust and become adaptable in this VUCA environment and being adaptable and leading people through, um, I think it's going to be key as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some tips that you can share about how one can feel less out of control in the unknown, less out of control when things are changing and you feel like they're changing so fast and you're not quite sure how you are going to um, really show up in that environment and, and really what might happen to you. So kind of those periods of uncertainty, what do you see as maybe two or three things that we can do to feel less out of control and more empowered during those times? You know, we all maintain the power of choice, no matter what is happening, where it's happening, when it's happening, we all have the power of choice. And so the very first thing that we've got to do is go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is get your mind right, right? Make the choice that you are going to see yourself winning in this situation. That's first and foremost. I just can't overemphasize the importance of believing in yourself And, you know, again, my life's experience has taught me that I think all of our life's experience can be a source of comfort right now. This is not the first time that you have been through the tunnel of chaos. Go back and and use that white space, as you said, to think about how did I handle other situations? You know, Lakeisha, just sharing a very personal story with your listeners You know, when I was young, my husband and I married young. We're going to be married this year if I don't kill him before July 12th. (laughs) How many many years did you say, Trudy? 40 years. Wow. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you. I'm looking for a trophy. But the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, after we had been married for a couple of years, we had our first child. And Adam was born on November 17th, 1982. And much like uh, you described when your manager said, out of nowhere, you're going to have to dismantle the team. Out of nowhere, we thought we were having a healthy baby. And the physician came in and said, you've given birth to a mongoloid. And Lakeisha, I was so young and naive, I didn't even know what that meant. And he went on to say that, you have given birth to a retarded infant and we suggest that you institutionalize him and leave him here. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, so vividly, even today, Adam is 37 and has done everything that the doctors said that he wouldn't do. But Love I remember it. vividly in that moment, making a choice. And the choice that I made was to say to the physician, you're not God. Okay. Yes. Um, my faith is a big part of how I navigate. So I made the choice first and foremost. Okay. This is not going to kill me. This is not going to take me out. Right. That's what I mean about making that choice. Right. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I did was I started thinking about, okay, how am I going to deal 
Like, you know, what, what is going to be my plan? You talked about action in your acronym. I think that, you know, it is wise counsel to focus on things that are positive and to take action every day. And that action could be something as simple as making sure that you are studying the trends, or it could be something as simple as making sure that, that you are gaining more advocacy for your, your desires, your career aspirations. It doesn't have to be over the top. But I tell you, then the thing that I learned from that experience is the need to, you know, have resources, human resources, people that you can lean on, people that you can trust. And so I think in the midst of all this chaos, you make a choice. You make a decision to go into action and then you get the resources that you need to complement you, to give you a higher level of confidence. I had no idea how to care for a special needs child. I just knew I'd made the choice that that was my child and we were going to take him home and we were going to figure it out. And in the midst of the fear, and it was a fear that absolutely could have paralyzed us. But we just leaned in as we've been talking about. And today, uh, as I said, Adam is 37 years old. Is he challenged? Yes, he's challenged, but he is thriving. And he is one of the most courageous people that I know on the face of this planet. And so when you get clear about your North Star, so to speak, like you get clear that you're making the choice to win. I mean, you just will not be defined by defeat. And I know people will say, well, that's easier said than done. And I agree. That's why you've got to go inside and you've got to have those moments of reflection. If you don't believe in yourself, no one around you is going to believe in you. I promise you that. And so I would say, you know, get your mind right, get your heart right and get your plan right. Wow. Trudy, that is just so inspirational, right? I mean, so many good nuggets. And I thank you for sharing that very personal story because that was a true test, you know, um, and really you you had to operate in the face of fear, but you use your North Star, you know, which was your faith, which was your God, right? Mm -hmm. And and the fact that you had, you know, from the 60s, you faced fear, you looked fear in the eye and you said, get out of the way, right? And so that was part of your DNA and it just continue to manifest itself and, and focusing you and your husband on the right mindset, a positive outlook, positive mindset to just manifest your desire to have a very healthy son. And you did that 37 years and he's thriving. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure your family, those relationships with your family and your friends, they all came to bear, right? Everybody came together. You talked about the human connection earlier. So everyone rallied around you and your family to make sure, even if there was a moment of doubt, it was pushed out of the way, right? Because mm-hmm. you knew exactly what the goal was. And that was to have a very healthy, successful young man. And I'm glad to hear that he's doing just that, everything he wants to do. Sounds like he inspires not only you, but probably everybody he meets every day. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting, you know, as I speak around the world and, and tell the story about Adam, he does in fact inspire so many people. But you said something else that I want to tease out for your listeners All of us need a truth teller in our lives. Every single one of us. We need somebody who is going to be there when that fear wants to hold us down, that will speak possibility to us and will challenge us, right? That was uh, my baby sister who came to live with us for a couple of months. And 
I had dark days. Um, we're all going to have dark days. I'm not trying to convince anybody that in the midst of this pandemic or in the midst of the Buka marketplace, you won't have moments where you're like, oh my gosh, can I? But then that's where you got to come back and say yes. And my my baby sister was like, she checked me, Lakeisha. She, <laughs> you are going to stay in this game. And sometimes... Sometimes we have to lean on other people mm-hmm. and this is important for women and particularly women of color, because we're so conditioned to have to carry everybody and everything. Just sometimes we have to pull over and say, we are human too, and tap into the emotional intelligence of others and the, the gift of love from others, the gift of caring for others to help pull us out. So if you get to a point where, you know, that self-internal critic, the itty-bitty committee that we talk about, the committee of doubt, if that starts to get too loud, you call on your friends, lean on your colleagues, find a, a truth teller to awaken your spirit again. Don't try and do all of this by yourself. I love that. I mean, essentially what you're saying is the power of relationships, connectedness, your squad. Many of us try to go this alone. You cannot go this alone because these Mm -hmm. situations and circumstances can take you out and leave you crippled to your knees. And so relationships, relationships, relationships are super critical. And again, that's part of our roar. It's important to build that community of leaders, friends. You know, I call my super bad sisters that I can pick up the phone and say, girl, I need you to help me today. Okay. <laughs> we all must love have that. I saw that you had, um, you know, you have to have your squad and uh, you, you're spot on. And I, uh, again, you know, for your listeners, I would, you know, ask you who's your squad. Like you can't have the roar without having the components that you described within the roar. And so I hope the people who are listening to your podcast today, not only inspired, but leave with a determination that they're going to examine themselves. They're going to pull over and say, let me check my mind. Let me check my thoughts. What am I pouring into myself? Who's pouring into me? Who's around me? Who is giving me permission to act when I don't give myself permission to act? I think, you know, if we can really commit to ourselves that this is going to be a time of growth, man, I, I just, I'm looking and believing for positive things to come out of this experience. Really, Lakeisha, I really am because I think, and we know this from history, that in the midst of challenge, opportunity is born, innovation is born, all kinds of new developments become a reality. So I would simply ask your listeners to say, you know, what do I want to birth out of this roar in the midst of this pandemic or in the midst of this VUCA marketplace? What is it that I want that's new? And use this time as a catalyst for a breakthrough, not for a breakdown. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, hitting on a couple of things that you said, I want to um, talking about super bad sisters and amazing African-American women. Um, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the books that you've written because they've helped change my life. The Corner Office is one of them. You know, Amanda Hartz wrote a book called The Memo. Yes. Yes. And she talks it. about yeah, it. Exactly. It's powerful. And she talks about the importance of your squad. You know, I also call it my team Lakeisha. 
you know, or my <laughs> board of directors or my board of advisors, right? You know, yeah. I often talk about the importance of phoning a friend. Anytime I'm going through, I just pick up the phone and phone a friend. I pick up the phone and I call Trudy. Trudy, here's what's going on. Help me think about this differently. I mean, I cannot stress enough, and you've talked about it, is the power of relationships because it makes a difference as you're navigating these challenges. And so- mm-hmm. Talking about books, I mean, you're a prolific writer and author, you know, best-selling author, and you've written books that have really helped people navigate the corporate landscape, but also to help them navigate relationships and having the right conversations. Talk a little bit about some of the books that you've written and, um, you know, what books should we be reading right now, including yours? (laughs) Well, you're very kind. Thank you very much. I've been very blessed to have written for leadership books. My very first one, I wrote it specifically for women and and you call the name of it, Her Corner Office. And I wrote that from my spirit. I mean, from my gut, because after spending 18 years in corporate, I really wanted to be a catalyst for helping women understand what I didn't understand because I didn't understand how to navigate corporate America. No one in my family had ever worked in corporate America. And there's so much pressure that's placed on women, particularly women of color, who have the good job. Like you can't even complain, right? Right. (laughs) You just have to like every day go suck it up. And so I, I wanted to write a book that would give people a roadmap. And if there's anybody that's stuck and doesn't have a plan, I really want to encourage them to read that book. And and my most recent book is uh, Equality, Courageous Conversations about women, men, and race to spark a uh, diversity and inclusion breakthrough. Because quite frankly, I am tired of the inequities that really, to use your phraseology, cripple us on a daily basis. But that goes back to why that that emotional intelligence is is so incredibly important. And if you don't mind, Lakeisha, I'd like to tell another very quick story that, that really changed my life. You know, sometimes just sharing your stories can be a catalyst for opening up a door of possibilities for others. But I have been fighting since I was a kid, being born into segregation, wanting so badly to be afforded equal opportunities. My sister and I integrated the Catholic school system in Mobile, Alabama, and I was super excited about the opportunity to go and learn and be a part of the good school, right? And unfortunately, people were not excited for me. And so uh, I had a series of unfortunate experiences where I was spat on, I was called uh, the N-word, just things that you would not want anybody that you love to experience. But I'll Mm -hmm. tell you, the defining moment was, you know, on this one particular occasion that I was sped on and, you know, had dirt tossed at me and, you know, people were like, we don't want any any of you kind of people here. And I'm using soft language because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's inappropriate to use the other language. But my mom came to get me. We lived uh, at the bottom of the hill and the school was at the top of the hill where all the rich kids lived. And we lived in, at the bottom of the hill where the poor people lived. And so my mom, God love her and rest her soul, came to get me. And the, the nuns were, <laughs> they didn't know what to do with me because I was Fulton. <laughs> they just didn't know how to, to handle the situation. So long story made short, my mom took me back home. And when I got back down uh, at the bottom of the hill, my grandmother, Mary Elizabeth Stallworth, God rest her soul, 
was waiting for us. And I got out of the car and I said to her, we called her Die. I said, Die, you know, these people hurt me so bad and we're going to go back. I'm going to get my brothers. You know, I'm going to hurt somebody. And uh, true story, she took me into her arms and you know the, the feeling of, of a grandmother or a loved one yes. bringing you close to their heart. And she said, baby, you're not going to hurt those people. And I was like, did you hear me? <laughs> okay, grandma. <laughs> Come on now. And she said, no, you're going to pray for those people. And you are going to remember that God put you here on this earth at this time for a reason. There are going to be many times when you're going to go places and you're going to be the only one. And you have to understand that it is not what you are called. It is what you answer to. And those words changed my life. Inside of my head, I started answering to a higher calling. Yes. Leaving that I could get out of Mobile, Alabama, that I didn't have to be relegated to trade school. Not that there's anything wrong with trade school, but I was saying, you know, I wanted to be president of a company. Mm-hmm. And then people were saying, oh, baby, you know, trade school. No, no, no. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, about having your squad. My grandmothers and my mom, they were a part of that squad. They were strong women. And I would humbly submit that everybody who's listening to this podcast right now, you have strong women who you stand on their shoulders. You are are who you are because of the sacrifices that they made. Do you think that they had fear? Oh my goodness gracious, how about waking up every single day fearing going out to be killed? Mm. How about having that emotion and finding the faith to lean through that. I want your listeners to know, man, you're stronger than you think. Mm-hmm. This virus is not going to define you. It's not going to define this country. It's what God has put in you that you have to really embrace as the definition of who you are and what your legacy will be on this earth. Wow, Trudy. So inspirational. I mean, wow. I mean, I'm thinking about your, your grandma and the first thing that came to my mind was a power of a praying grandmama, right? Just, oh, yes. oh my God. And just her faith and her fierceness and her boldness to say, you know what? In spite of what they call you, it's what you answer to. Don't be moved mm-hmm. by what's happening in the environment. Stay focused on your North Star. Stay focused on all that has been poured into you. Your DNA is the DNA of greatness and you will not be moved by, you know, the little things that are happening around you that are set to take you off your course. We will not be moved, right? We're going to stay focused. We're going to look fear in the face and we're going to stand up and be courageous and just move through it and not be moved by those folks around us that set that are just, you know, sometimes, you know, things are put in our path to test our resilience, to test who we really, really want it. And um, you right. met that very early in your life. And that to me, that there's no mistake around why you were the first African-American woman a VP in your company and really in, in that whole consumer industry, because it was already forged in you as a young woman and you were destined. You never lost sight of that. You said, hey, trade schools, vocational schools are fantastic. But for me, I know where I want to go. And right. um, you just set your intention on that. And so that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. 
Yes, well, so I tell you, we could talk all day and I know you've got a busy day, <laughs> but I can sit here and listen. I know my listeners like, I want more. She's going to be back. Trust me. Um, but just in wrapping up, you know, why don't we um, hit a few questions? I kind of call it my lightning fast round, my fantastic five. And so I'm going to just hit a couple questions for you and see what comes to mind. You know, okay. I'm sure we all can figure out what are three words that describe you. But, you know, what are those three words that, that resonate with you that when folks think of truly, they should think of those words? I'm resilient. I'm innovative and I'm faithful. Yep. And I think we've heard all that today. (laughs) You know, what book are you reading right now? Or what are you watching on Netflix? I'm actually reading the memo. I love it. It's the book that you referenced earlier by Mindy. Minda Hartson. I just find it fascinating. The most recent Netflix um, episodes that we watch are the Kevin Hart documentaries. Oh, yeah. Inspired by people who found their roar. He is one. If you haven't watched that documentary, it's a series. It's really inspirational to see how somebody can come from nothing and and make something really big out of themselves. Absolutely. I've enjoyed watching that too. And I would also say, you know, when you think about, you know, you're super busy, you travel all across the world, all across the globe, helping leaders like myself and really helping companies really develop their talent. You know, when you come home, what's your favorite way to spend your downtime? Oh, I spend my downtime with family, girl. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and a great glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> okay. You always, I love that. The Chardonnay just caps it all off, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I love it. And then, yeah. you know, I know you have your first grand, your granddaughter, who's absolutely yes. gorgeous. You know, you've inspired me. You've invested in me and thousands of leaders, right? And really helped us find our roar, help us develop that potential and think about the impact that we can drive in the industry and, and really also have a lens on the future and what we can do yes. to change the, the landscape of our industries. What are the dreams that you have for your granddaughter? What are the dreams that you have for children of the world as they grow up? Oh, Lakeisha, I tell you, I do wish we had all day. But I have uh, my first grandchild, our first grandchild, Grace Elizabeth Brents. I started speaking possibility into her life the day that little baby was born. I have a dream that she will be able to choose to do whatever she wants in life. And I am going to speak every day into her spirit that she can. My mother used to say, there's no such word as can't. Mm -hmm. That word. And I'm going to, God willing, be around to continue to remind her that there's no such word as can't. That doesn't mean that she has to be the president of the United States. It doesn't mean she has to be the president of a company. It just means that she has to be her best and make an impact while she's on this earth. I love it. I love it. Wow. And she's, Miss Grace is absolutely gorgeous, everyone. She (laughs) just melts your heart. And so my last question that I want to end with today is, what advice would you give your younger self today? Oh, well, my truth is, is that I probably spent too much time working. I think you got to enjoy the journey. I really do. It goes so fast, Lakeisha. You know, I turned 60 this past December and I went, what? Why? What? what? I'm saying what? There's no way. You look 30. <laughs> yes. No, Jeans I are turned great. 60. And so I think, um, you know, I grew up in such a tumultuous time, right? So, you know, it is what it is. But I tell you what, if I could go back to my younger self, I would say, 
worry less because most of what we worry about never becomes a reality. Mm-hmm. Really seize the moment, you know, give yourself permission to smell the roses, to look at God's creation, just observe the time and just be happy. There's, you know, a shortage of happiness because people are so stressed all the time. Mm-hmm. I think what you're doing, if you're not happy, stop doing it. Find something else to do. And I just feel very, very blessed, very fortunate that I do something that I love and I do it every day. I, I wake up and even if I'm tired, I'm still happy that God has given me the opportunity to use my gifts and talents to help others. So I feel very blessed. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up and give Trudy a bit of her time back, but I know she's helped you tremendously. I've learned so much just in this this conversation this morning as well. So what I want to do is let you know, how can you connect with her? She's on LinkedIn, so you need to go get connected to her right now. You spell her name T-R-U-D-Y, and last name is Bourgeois, B-O-U-G-E-O-I-S. So get connected with Trudy on LinkedIn. She's also on Twitter at Trudy Bourgeois. Her website is workforceexcellence.com. So make sure you connect with her there. And as she said, she's authored some phenomenal books and I know because I've read them. So, you know, she's authored her corner office. Um, her second was a hybrid leader, which I love the blending the best of male and female leadership styles. Um, and she's also authored a book called Equality, Courageous Conversations about Women, Men and Race to Spark a Diversity and Inclusion Breakthrough. So you can have more and more of Trudy after this podcast by connecting with her in all those ways. So again, Trudy, I thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, Lakeisha, thank you so much for being the leader and the woman that you are. I'm so very proud of you. God bless you and bless this podcast. Thank you so much. Take care, Trudy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.